This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, of course, with Transitions Life Care. Mary, what's new in your world of foster care for your beloved dogs? We've had a hard week. We, we, I took one dog to the vet, and thousands of dollars later, we have learned that he is resource guarding his water. Um, so, Resource <laughs> guarding his water. Good news is it's not his brain. It's not his kidneys. It's not his liver. He doesn't have diabetes or liver shunt or all the other things we've gone through testing for at this point. And he's resource guarding his water. So lesson learned, if you get a dog that was captured at the dump, he might be resource guarding things. <laughs> Don't spend thousands to find that out. We should, all, we should just call you first rather <laughs> yeah. than going to the vet. I think I that's... should probably be a vet at this point. I, I can imagine you've, uh, you've dealt with a fair share of cases. What, what is this dog's name? Lucky. Lucky. Well, lucky you, him. <laughs> your pocketbook, not so lucky, but um, we'll, we'll deal with Lucky and his water on another date. Uh, well, let's get into the show here. And we're talk- We're going to start out with a topic that, man, I think hits home for a lot of people and a lot of caregivers. And this can, this can be a touchy subject. And we're going to talk about hearing loss 101. And it's, this will be a short segment if we were just Mary and I talking about it. So <laughs> we've got Dr. Stephanie Galloway on the line. She's a doctor of audiology with Assured Audiology and Hearing Solutions. Dr. Galloway, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me again. I appreciate it. You know, I was just thinking about this this morning. I was riding with my windows down. I'm, I'm one of those people that rides with all the windows down, always. Sunroof, all the things. And I had my hand out the window, and my Apple Watch vibrated, and it was like, it is too loud in here because the wind was hitting the watch. And I was thinking, well, this is timely. I'm going to talk about hearing loss. Um, so, Dr. Galloway, maybe kick it off for us. What are different kinds of hearing loss that are out there? Okay, so there's a couple of different kinds. Usually... One of the common ones that we see in little kids would be a conductive hearing loss, and that's where something is actually blocking the pathway of the sound getting to the ear, to the eardrum, and doing all of those neat things that goes beyond the eardrum when we hear. Um, But a lot of times you hear kids have fluid behind the eardrum. That can cause hearing loss as well, and then that in turn can cause speech delay. So that's a conductive hearing loss. Usually conductive hearing losses can be treated with some kind of medical um, intervention, whether that's medicine or surgery. A lot of littles have tubes in their ears or history of having tubes in their ears. That's what they're trying to do is alleviate that pressure and that fluid behind the eardrum to get them working back to normal. So that's one that we see. Probably the most common hearing loss that I work with is what we call sensory neural hearing loss. And that's when there's a problem within the cochlea, the little snail-shaped organ that we all remember, hopefully, Mm -hmm. from our grade school years (laughs) and some of us beyond that. Um, But that's when something goes wrong within the cochlea. There's millions and millions and millions of little hair cells in there that um, help to transmit sound. If those get damaged, that can cause problems. And then also the neural part of that is the auditory pathway with auditory nerve. Sometimes there's damage to the auditory nerve that can create hearing loss. 
And anything from the cochlea beyond is what we call sensory neural hearing loss. That's usually caused by the number of birthdays we have, damage to our ears. You mentioned your watch warning you. Um, loud sounds can cause hearing loss. And we can kind of segue that into different causes of hearing loss, if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, that would be excellent. Actually, that was my next question for you because, you know, I I, I know someone that had a um, – there was a loud plane, like something crazy that they were near an Air mm-hmm. Force base or something, and it and it really damaged their hearing for the rest of their life at a very young age. So I was going to ask, mm-hmm. what are some of the causes of hearing loss? Mm-hmm. So the one that your Apple Watch was trying to warn you about mm-hmm. is noise-induced hearing loss, and that's just – prolonged exposure to loud sounds, but it can also be an impulse sound like a gunshot going off or a firecracker going off. You know, kids can be, kids as in like teenagers and stuff like that, kids can be kind of on the dumb side. So they do reckless things like that, thinking that nothing's going to happen, but unfortunately sometimes it does. Um, But that's noise-induced hearing loss. It's usually preventable if we can take measures to prevent it. I know sometimes I see a lot of veterans that come in and they're suffering from hearing loss. Not a whole lot we could do because when you're out training or worse in real life combat situations, you don't have time to pop some earmuffs on and then take care of business. So um, what we do is just deal with treating them after the fact if they suffer from that. And even concerts, I hate to burst everybody's bubble and, you know, be a little bit of a buzzkill, but even concerts and music can cause hearing loss. You know, I know it's not really noise, but loud is loud. Mm-hmm. So somehow we should incorporate loud into noise-induced hearing loss instead of noise-induced hearing loss, because then it would make a little bit more sense when we're talking about music or things that people enjoy doing. Um, sometimes we'll see... Um, motorcycle enthusiasts, they'll end up with hearing loss. Um, I did have a, a long haul trucker one time who had hearing loss predominantly in his left ear because he always rode with the window down. And I'm not saying that you're in danger, Mary, but um, he was a long haul trucker. So he spent lots of time in the car with his window down on the left side, especially. And that caused him to have more trouble on his left ear than his right ear. And that's a whole nother conversation about head shadow effect and that type of thing. But that's not for today. Um, So another example real quick before I move on. So the noise-induced hearing loss, I remember in grad school, I worked with a gentleman who was a violinist. And he had hearing loss on the side where he held his violin. Mm. So something that he loved doing his entire life and actually was fortunate enough to make a living off of it was causing him hearing loss later on because of that prolonged exposure over time. So Wow, that's really so that's interesting. One type. That, mm-hmm. That's yeah. very interesting. You know, I also think about this, I'm a I'm a avid Canes fan. I'm a season ticket holder and you know, we're the loudest house in the NHL is what they say and I watch those decibel things going up when they're like, Get loud, get out your seat. Oh and, my god. <laughs> I'm just now I'm thinking about the poor kid with the season tickets next to me. There's this um kid who's probably a kid, he's a child. Um okay. he's probably less than two years old and they always have his little earmuffs on and he gets so excited. Oh, but I'm just like, Oh, that's good that they're doing that. Maybe I should think about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It might- not be a bad thing because I went to the Justin Timberlake show <laughs> a few a year or two back I guess when mm-hmm. he was in town 
and I forgot to take my earplugs and I could not believe the how loud the people were shrieking <laughs> around me. I mean, I guess that's what people um, experienced back when Elvis would come through or something. But I, I really didn't know if I was going to be able to enjoy the show because of all the screaming of the people around me. And we weren't down low. We were way up high. So there wasn't as much to get excited about way up there as there was down on the floor, I'm sure. But people were sure excited. And boy, they were letting you know so i was probably one of those yeah. um you know <laughs> I, I i thought justin timberlake could see my glow in dark signs from the nosebleeds but um <laughs> no, i'm not sure he could uh <laughs> well at least at least he acted like he did you exactly know, he a few times yeah he definitely at looked me, at me sure. yeah he definitely looked at me at one point i think he could see me uh, <laughs> yeah Oh, gosh. So that's noise-induced hearing loss. There's other causes. Some, uh, You know, I mentioned aging and birthdays, the number of birthdays we have. Sometimes that just, you know, our ears just can't keep up with us. And that's a hard reality or a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow because they're worried that hearing aids are going to make them look old. Mm-hmm. Well, ask my third-grade patient that I have if hearing aids make her look old. She may want them to because, you know, we all want to look older when we're that age. And then when we get on up there, we're trying to look younger. But um, I personally do not think hearing aids will make you look old. I think you missing out on the conversations or answering a question that's completely different than what was asked because you misunderstood it. I think that's going to do a good job of making you look old without any help from a hearing aid. So it's one of those things where it's a love-hate relationship. You hate the fact that you need something like that to help you. But once you get it, I think people really come to love what they can do for them. Um, I saw a patient just this week. We were talking, and he said, yeah, you know, I was showing some of my friends and colleagues my hearing aids. And they said, oh, man, you know, do you like them? And he said, no, I hate them. (laughs) And he said, but I won't be without them. So it's kind of that thing where it's one more thing to do. I wear glasses every day. It's one more thing to put on. But to get back hearing and interacting and living your life to the best that you can um, and enjoying it and not having to work so hard, I think it's totally worth it. Of course, I'm biased, but, I, you know, I just I'm a big advocate for hearing health. So. So that's another cause, it's just the aging process. Um, some medications are ototoxic. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of important to know that going in. Usually it's the heavy-duty um, intravenous antibiotics. Some of the chemotherapy drugs can be ototoxic. Mm-hmm. But the way I look at that is you've got to take care of business first. Number one, we're going to keep you here. And if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. And we're going to deal with the fallout, for lack of a better word, once we keep you here. So that's something to think about as well. Um, We're speaking with Dr. Stephanie Galloway. She's a doctor of audiology with Assured Audiology and Hearing Solutions. I'm sorry to cut you off there, Dr. Galloway, but we do have to take a quick break. we got more questions for you. Stick around. We're talking all about hearing loss, and we'll be back right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. 
This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, and our guest on the line is Dr. Stephanie Galloway. She's a doctor of audiology with Assured Audiology and Hearing Solutions. And Dr. Galloway, we were just talking about causes of hearing loss, and we were going to get into a discussion on genetics. Yes. So one of one other cause of hearing loss, a possible cause of hearing loss, is sometimes we'll see a genetic issue where it may run in families. That's one of the questions we always ask is, is there a family history of hearing loss? Um, and if there is, I say, well, was it later onset or was it something you were born with? Because sometimes people can be born with it, but then sometimes people can just develop it later on and we'll see certain patterns in the family where, oh, my mom and my grandmother and da, 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 you know, they just go on and on with a long list of, of hearing loss in the family. And just one quick example of it, I, I tell this story a lot. So if, I've, if I'm repeating myself, forgive me, but I think it's one that's worth pe- repeating and will probably give you chills like it does me. Um, I had a patient once who had hearing loss, and she was young, in her 30s, an attorney, finally you know, came to realize she could not go in the courtroom without her, without her hearing aids. So she started wearing them regularly. And she said, you know, I have my dad to thank for my hearing loss because if you put their audiograms or hearing tests side by side they were almost identical and she said but I have my hearing loss to, to thank or I have his hearing loss to thank for being here mm. because apparently he was in the service and his his platoon went out on a mission but he had to stay behind because of his hearing difficulties and not a single one returned so she had her dad to thank for the hearing loss. But she had the hearing loss to thank for being here. So that's, you know, every time I tell that, I've told it a hundred times, I know, but I get chills up and down my arms every time I, I tell that story because it just shows how powerful a force hearing loss can be. Mm-hmm. And in this case, she thanks it for being here. So Anyway, but we can move on for now. No, no, no. Wow, that's a very powerful story. Uh, Yeah, yeah. You know, I I also, there's a lot of people out there that have hearing loss and just don't know that they have it. And, you know, moving on a a little bit in our questioning, I'm I'm curious, what are some signs and symptoms that someone may have hearing loss? Because I think that there are a lot of people in denial or that don't, don't know and just don't know what they're looking for or don't can't pinpoint it, um, but right. may have hearing loss and, and um, just unrecognizing the signs and symptoms. Yes. So one of the biggest, you know, probably most obvious, but not always, um, is asking for repetition. If you ask for repetition and you notice that you're asking for it more often, chances are you could have some kind of hearing difficulty. Um, I have had couples come in and say they haven't been able to watch a television show together in the same room for years because one wants the, wants the TV turned up to 60 and one wants it at 20. So that's a biggie is if you have those remote control wars where you can't agree on the volume, 
you know, somebody needs it bumped up just a little bit more, but then it gets uncomfortable for the other person. Mm -hmm. Um, A common thing that I hear people say or complaint is, well, I hear, but I don't always understand. So they may have normal hearing in some areas of the frequency range, but then they drop off on others. So they're, they're the most difficult to convince that they have hearing loss. They hear some things perfectly fine, so they have good sound awareness, but they don't have that clarity that they need to really get all the different speech sounds and be able to understand what's being, what's being said to them. Um, let's see. What else can we say? That, that's one of the biggies. I always say the cheapest, easiest, simplest way to screen your hearing is ask your family because they're the ones that notice it first. Um, the person in the, the chair that I'm speaking with about their hearing loss, they're always the last to know. And a big reason for that is it can be so gradual. I tell people it's kind of like me. I'm trying to lose weight like half of America. <laughs> but the people that see me every day, it's going to take a while before they go, oh, yeah, you really have lost weight. you know. But if I were to go away for six months, and come back, that's the first thing you notice. Mm-hmm. So I borrow this from an ear, nose, and throat doctor I worked with when I lived in Tennessee. Um, he would tell some of our patients, you know, if you went to bed with normal hearing and woke up with what, where you are right now, you would be e- beating the ER doors down trying to figure out what what happened because it, it, it would be so drastic. So that's why I do like to do hearing aid demos here in the office when we have people that that I've identified with hearing loss and they've never used hearing aids before, I put hearing aids on them and it's a big eye opener of what they were hearing versus what they should have been hearing. Mm. So that's a powerful tool. Dr. Galloway, people can be pretty defensive when it comes to their hearing and maybe that they are that they are enduring hearing loss. And, you mm-hmm. know, I think one of the uh, maybe popular defenses might be, hey, I'm, I'm getting old and there's normal hearing loss as we get older. Is, is that true? Is, is it normal to have our hearing degrade a little bit? And what should be considered normal so, and what's not normal? That can be typical. So I don't like using the word normal whenever we talk about the aging process and hearing loss because hearing loss is hearing loss. It's not normal. It might be normal for them, at that particular stage in their life, but it's not normal hearing. It, you know, when I tell people, you know, this is what you should be hearing, and we try to reduce the sound because it's a lot in the beginning, they'll say, okay, okay, that sounds normal. And I'll say, yeah, but remember, normal for you is impaired. So I don't like to say it's normal with age, with the aging process. It can be a little more typical, but it's not normal. Um because people hear that word normal and they hang on to it and they'll, you know, they'll say, well, well, the doctor told me I was normal. It was normal for my age. So I'm okay. No, 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 no. You're not okay. You're, you're, you're having difficulty hearing and you're still on that little river of denial. So, um, I don't, I don't like to use the word normal with the aging process. Typical. Yes. Normal hearing. No. (laughs) I hope that makes sense. (laughs) That makes perfect sense. You know, I want to dive in a little bit deeper here in a minute about treating hearing loss and and how Mm -hmm. to know more about hearing aids and et cetera. But before we get there, can what are some things that you can do to prevent hearing loss and and things that you can be thinking of now? So preventing hearing loss, that's just putting a barrier up between you and the noise. If you know you're going to be around noise for a while, 
um, you know, if you're, if you enjoy mowing the yard, wear earmuffs, wear some kind of hearing protection. Not on, that doesn't mean earbuds and crank the music up so that it drowns out the mower, but some kind of hearing protection. Um, when I had a bigger yard, I had a little riding mower and I put my earmuffs on the seat of the riding mower because I had to physically pick those up before I could get on it. So hang the muffs on the handle of the push mower. Hang, you know, put the muffs there on the seat of the riding mower. Um, I mentioned the Timberlake concert where I forgot my earplugs. Um, there are some earplugs that you can get over the counter that are the foam earplugs. Some of them are made out of silicone and you can create a barrier there. I actually have some fancy ones that are musicians earplugs. So they do not change the sound of the music coming through. There's a filter that will reduce the the loudness, but it won't change the sound. And some of those foam barriers, if you put them in and go to a concert, they'll help protect your hearing, but they may alter the sound of the music. So that's the nice thing about musicians' earplugs. We can um, take a mold of your ear and have them custom made for you and then get the different levels of protection. I would love to see middle school bands start using them with their students so that we can start them early and then it's just mm -hmm. a part of their habit because you know if you're sitting in front of the brass section or in front of percussion or if you play one of those instruments um like i said with my violinist that i, I treated many years back um over time that can cause some issues with hearing so it's a good point. A horn in your ear can really, <laughs> mm -hmm. it can really do some damage, mm -hmm. I can imagine. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that Jay, I was, Jason just uh, pointed at himself when he said, uh, when you said the lawnmower thing. <laughs> oh, mm -hmm. Dr. Galloway, I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm very embarrassed now because, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just drown out the sound of this, you know, very, very loud lawnmower with the Hamilton soundtrack or something. But yeah, that's a, a, in hindsight, that's probably not a good idea. Yeah, remember, loud is loud. So, And if you have, you know, you could experiment. If you have earbuds that you want to wear, you could probably do that. And as long as it's comfortable, put earmuffs on top of them. Then you don't have to have the music so loud. But it's still there to kind of, you know, distract you and hypnotize you into the little task at hand, but you're still, <clears throat> excuse me, you're still protecting your hearing from, from those loud sounds. So. That's good Yeah, advice. I think a lot of us are guilty. And whenever people say, oh, yeah, I wear earbuds when I mow, and then I'll say, yes, but make sure. <laughs> good advice. We're speaking with Dr. Stephanie Galloway. She's doctor of audiology with Assured Audiology and Hearing Solutions. And if the bosses were listening, I, I wasn't listening to the Hamilton soundtrack. I was listening to WPTF, I swear. I swear uh. that, that that's what I was doing. Uh, well, we're going to take a quick break. We've got more questions for Dr. Galloway right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. 
If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, and our guest on the line is Dr. Stephanie Galloway. She's Doctor of Audiology with Assured Audiology and Hearing Solutions, and we're talking all about hearing loss. We've gone over causes of hearing loss, signs and symptoms that we need to be on the lookout for, and now we're going to get into a discussion of treatment. Yes, I'm, this is a great part of the show. For everyone who is now um, thinking they may have hearing loss, let's talk about treatment. So how can you treat hearing loss? What are the different ways? We know everyone's heard about hearing aids um, and is maybe a little hesitant to do that. But Dr. Galloway, talk to us about ways that you can treat hearing loss. Okay. So <clears throat> we mentioned before, if it's a conductive loss, there may be medical treatments or there may be surgical treatments for hearing loss. And we'll help you figure out which which is going to be the right treatment for you. Um, you mentioned hearing aids. That's probably the most common treatment for hearing loss, especially the sensory neural hearing losses. I always tell my patients, you know, you have a hearing loss that isn't one that can be treated with medicine or with surgery. So if you choose treatment, then it would be with hearing devices. Um, there are very, very many different um, options for that. We have the mini behind the ear. We have the in the ear. A lot of the devices these days are rechargeable now. So especially people that are that have difficulty with dexterity, they don't have to open and close the battery doors every day. They don't have to change the batteries once a week. Just slide them in the charger at night, let them charge. They're ready for you the next morning. Mm. Um, some people who don't get benefit from hearing aids because their their hearing is is to that severe to profound level where it's just hard to get sound to them with hearing aids, they may opt for a cochlear implant, and that's a that is actually a surgical procedure, um, but it's for those profound losses that can't be helped with with instruments and that you would have an evaluation with an otolaryngologist who specializes in those surgeries, an audiologist that specializes in mapping and programming those devices, but that's a surgical procedure that tries to take the place of the cochlea and um, the auditory nerve and send the, the signal up through electrical signals. I am not an implant specialist, mm -hmm. so that's about the extent of my knowledge for that. I would be glad to refer people somewhere if they needed to, but, but that's another option for that. Um, I know some people with hearing loss also complain of something called tinnitus, which is ringing in the ears. Sometimes it can sound like crickets. Sometimes it can be high-pitched. Uh, have some people say that there's a whooshing sound mm -hmm. or it's pulsatile. Those are things that we really want to get you in for um, both an audiological evaluation and probably also a medical evaluation if you have that pulsatile tinnitus. Um, sometimes it can be on just one side or the other. I've had a few people that come in that have complained of hearing loss since COVID-19. Mm -hmm. You know, that's mm -hmm. probably on everybody's lips and at the front of everybody's minds right now is COVID-19 and how to protect ourselves. and. Mm -hmm figure out how to deal with long COVID symptoms. But a lot of times that ringing, you know, some people have complained of the ringing afterwards. Um, 
And I've had a couple of patients, not a whole lot, but a few that have come in that have complained of hearing loss since COVID. Hmm. Um, it may be something that was there already, and it's just exacerbated from COVID. But we have things that can help people um, deal with that ringing as well. Um, some of it is can be done with ear-level devices. Some of it can just be done with education and letting people know what this is and how to deal with it. Um, a lot of times with the ringing in their ears or those noises, it's not reversible. It's not curable, but it's treatable and manageable. And we can do that with, with devices and techniques. So That's good to know. You know, I, yes. I think about the caregiver listeners that we have on the show and, and um, many people don't want to admit they have hearing loss like we talked about. What should mm-hmm. you do if you suspect someone that you love or that you're helping with may have hearing loss and is just not admitting it? Mm-hmm. So one thing you can do is, you know, you can just say, hey, I think I've noticed you've been having difficulty. You know, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And start that conversation with them. Another thing that I, I recommend is a baseline baseline for anything i'm going in a few weeks for a baseline dermatology appointment you know whether it's dermatology audiology anything it's never a bad idea to have a baseline so if you present it that way and and you know sometimes it takes a little bit of maneuvering but i'll have um, spouses call in and say yeah you know i'd like to get my my husband or my wife in for for a hearing test but i just don't know if they're going to come in And I'll say, well, tell them it's time for a baseline. You know, I wish every primary care doctor in America would order a baseline exam. Um, They're required to ask, I believe, with Medicare when people go into Medicare. But there's more to it than just saying, how's your hearing? I mean, you ask any diabetic, how's their blood sugar? And they say, oh, fine. And it's through the roof. So (laughs) if you ask somebody, how's your hearing? They're going to say, oh, I do okay. Yeah, it's good. It's fine there's more to it than that. There's, there needs to be more than just that question to tick the box off. So, um, I tell people, if you can get them in the door, I'll do the heavy lifting from there, you know? Mm -hmm. So discuss baseline testing. It's never a bad idea for a baseline because you may not be having problems now, but down the road, if you do, we, so many times when people come to me, it's because they're having problems. They've never been to me before. And I'll say, well, have you ever had a hearing test? No. Well, maybe in grade school or, oh, when I left the military or, you know, and it's not something that we can get our hands on readily. It's not readily available to compare to. But if we have that baseline, then in five years or even in 10 years, if you do develop symptoms, we have something to compare to. So baseline, baseline, baseline. That's good to know. You know, one last question for you before we finish up here. Uh-huh. Can can hearing loss cause other problems such as de- depression or anxiety? Is that something, you know, I think about my grandparents growing up and, and you, you can kind of become detached almost if you have hearing uh-huh. loss and you can't really be a part of a conversation. So is this a effect that can cause other things as well? Yes. So even if there's not a direct causal relationship, there's too much commonality to ignore. So it can cert- I don't want to say it can cause depression, but it can certainly exacerbate it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you can't interact with the people around you, that leads to isolation. Isolation can lead to depression. You know, there's so many things. There's even 
studies that say that there's an increased risk of fall, you know, of falling with untreated hearing loss. There's also studies that show that there there is cognitive decline with untreated hearing loss. So there are so many things, you know, looking at the whole health of the person, hearing loss can also be linked to increased increased instances of diabetes, mm. increased inc- instances of high blood pressure and heart disease, um, kidney disease. There's so many things that it has. I mean, hearing loss just has its fingers in everything, it seems like. But the one thing especially that breaks my heart is that isolation. Mm-hmm. You know, I had one patient, she said, well, I just don't go to my women's group anymore because I can't, I can't understand what anybody's saying. Well, she had untreated hearing loss. Once we got her in devices, she went to her women's group for the first time in a long time. And she said, that's the first time I've been able to actually reply to something. And I couldn't tell you when the last time I did that. So um, those are the things that are the most concerning is, you know, the cognitive decline, the isolation, the depression, all of that. Because there's so many things we can do to help. There really are. And I'm sure you've got so many stories of the transformation uh, of you know reintroducing the ability to hear with uh-huh. the, with the aid of these devices, and I'm sure there's also not many people who go back to you and say, you know, I really regret doing this. You know, hearing everything well, again is just not for me. Yes, yeah. I had somebody just the other day. She said, you know, I really wish I would have done this sooner. And I think that's what more more people say than not is, gosh, I should have done something sooner. And I tell them, well, it's a good thing I'm not an I told you so kind of person. (laughs) She is Dr. Stephanie Galloway, doctor of audiology with Assured Audiology and Hearing Solutions. Dr. Galloway, if folks want to learn more about you and Assured Audiology and Hearing Solutions, what's the best way to do that? They are always welcome to give us a call. Um, They can find us online at assuredaudiology.com. Um, I don't know if you want me to give my phone number out if you want that big of a plug, but we're reachable by phone at 919-762-0358. Online, email, any of that. You can you can track us down one way or another, and we'll be glad to answer your questions. Wonderful. AssuredAudiology.com if you want to find more information. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Hey, if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, be sure to go online to transitionslifecare.org. Plenty of resources and information available for you there. Also, career opportunities. If you're looking for a change there, head on over to transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. And Mary, we are shifting gears here, and we're going to be talking about anticipatory grief. And I'm really very much looking forward to this conversation. And we, uh, we've we brought on one of our own. We're mm-hmm. going to be speaking with E. Below. E. Below is a Grief Outreach Coordinator at Transitions Life Care. E, thank you so much for coming on the show. 
Certainly. Thanks for having me. This is a very um, touching topic for me, something that I talk about with my therapist. I'm very excited to talk to you, E, about this. Um, I talk about my dogs a lot on the show, and I know that that's very different um, than people, but still there is anticipatory grief that I I have experienced in thinking about one of my dogs who's on hospice. And it's it's real, you know, thinking about anticipatory grief. And um, so E, maybe start us off. How does this differ to grief after death? Yeah, that, that's a really great question, Mary. And as you may have intuited uh, by the, the name anticipatory grief, um, this type of grief, you know, typically occurs after, uh, before a death-related loss. Um, so typically it, it refers to what someone might feel in the days or, or months or even years before the death of a loved one. Um, it's that experience of knowing that a change or a loss is inevitable um, and experiencing grief in the face of that. So where grief related to a death, you know, typically only impacts the people who are are left in their absence. Um, Anticipatory grief can actually impact not just their loved ones, but also the person um, who's been diagnosed with a life-limiting illness. Um, You know, oftentimes we we make this mistake of thinking of grief as just that physical loss of a person. Mm -hmm. Um, But like grief that occurs after a death, you know, anticipatory grief can also um, often include grief around all of those layers of loss. Um, as an illness progresses, you know, things like loss of companionship as your person's abilities change or in your your case, your pups change, Um, you know, the change in your role with your loved one, you know, loss of financial security and and even of the future. Um, You know, of course, we expect to experience grief after a death. Um, But, you know, few of us really understand that grief can show up before a life ends. Um, And I'd really say that the biggest difference between anticipatory grief and and grief related to a death or what you might call conventional loss um, is that conventional grief is similar to to grieving backwards. You know, that is, we we mourn a loss that's already happened, whereas with anticipatory grief, it's really more forward-focused. We're grieving everything that we expect to lose, not just that physical loss of the person, but, but all of those layers. As if being caregiver isn't enough already, you know, or you're already dealing with taking care of somebody and, um, and and kind of getting everything in place and really working through what's to come and then add this on top of it. It's just one more layer that that is very difficult for someone in this situation, I can imagine. Yeah, absolutely. E, so how do you know if you're feeling anticipatory grief? What are some signs and symptoms to look out for? Um, I, I can think about it in my own case, like stress, for example, I, I can imagine is something that, you know, it kind of multiplies when you're anticipating grief. Um, I feel my stress levels rising. But how do you know what you're feeling is anticipatory grief? Yeah, and Mary, you hit the nail on the head with, with stress, especially when you couple that with caregiving responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you experience can can be really similar to what you might expect to experience um, after a, a death-related loss. So, of course, you know, feelings of, of sadness or tearfulness, um, maybe some denial or fear, um, maybe even guilt. Um, you might find yourself rehearsing the death, um, you know, what it might be like to, to think about the future with, without that person there. Um, or if you're the person who's dying, you know, maybe thinking about what that death experience might feel like for you. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, we, we do have you know increased levels of stress, um, like you mentioned. Uh, you know, we might experience more anger, anxiety, anxiety. Um, a lot of us experience changes in sleep. Maybe you're sleeping too much or too little. 
Um, and oftentimes that, that is because we are in this kind of in-between place between, you know, maintaining this, this needed sense of hope, um, but also starting to prepare for the death of our person and, and letting go, so to speak. Um, and that can be a really painful and, and confusing space to live in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. So moving forward, what are ways that you can cope with anticipatory grief? Are there things that you can do or, or, or ways that you can start to cope with that now to help? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you hit on a, a good point of, you know, what can I do now versus what, what I might have to, to deal with in the future um, and I think one important thing to remember for yourself or, or even if you're supporting someone who's grieving is just remembering that just because you're grieving before somebody dies, it doesn't mean that you won't grieve after they die. Um, you know, anticipatory grief, it, it doesn't necessarily make the grief process easier. Um, and it isn't a substitute necessarily for grieving later. You know, I, I think sometimes we think that there can't possibly be anything more to, to feel or, or give after a loved one has died. And you know, we can be really hard on ourselves and in, in, in turn afterward. Like, you know, haven't I already done this before or, or shouldn't I be over this by now? Um, but it's really important to recognize that that's a really common response. Um, and there is no timeline on grief. There's no fixed volume of grief. You can't, you know, save it up now or, or carry it forward later. Um, and knowing that even if your loved one has been sick or, or has been declining for several several years, um, you know, nothing can really fully prepare us for, for the actual death and how we'll respond. Um, you know, I, I do want to mention in, in that same vein, though, anticipatory grief, it, it does have some benefits that can provide us with opportunities for closure that, you know, people whose loved one died perhaps suddenly or, or unexpectedly might not experience. And sometimes, you know, it can also provide us with space to have those hard conversations or mm-hmm. share memories or, or seek closure. Um, I think ultimately, you know, the most important takeaway is is to recognize that, like with conventional grief, we all grieve in our own timeline and and in our own way. Um, So it's important to try to maintain a sense of grace and and patience with yourself, um, to give yourself that permission to experience that, you know, wide-ranging experience of emotions without judgment. Um, You know, grieving your person before they die, it, it doesn't mean that you're giving up hope or abandoning them. Um, I think that's one thing that a lot of us worry about, um, but knowing that it is possible to to grieve the for the future without relinquishing the present necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And if folks want to find more information, e, what's the best way for folks to do that? Yeah, you you can certainly go to transitionslifecare.org uh, to learn more about grief. Um, our our services are primarily focused on death related losses. Um, you know, there, there are some really great resources out there. Um, there's a great website called What's Your Grief that's really chock full of resources and helpful articles on grief and, and anticipatory grief. Um, and ultimately, you know, some of the best resources are around us, um, you know, leaning on your supports, anticipatory grief and, and caregiving in, in the midst of all of that can be a really heavy load. Um, so maybe doing an assessment of those supports um, who you can go to, to to help with the laundry or who you can go to to, to just be distracted if you need to. Um, someone once told me, you don't go to Home Depot to buy bread. So, you know, knowing who you can call on for, for those different needs as you're grieving can be really helpful. Um, if you're working with a care team or have access to a nurse or a social worker or a spiritual care member, um, use them. You know, they can really help you approach and, and navigate some of those hard conversations with 
a lot of grace and, and dignity. Um, some folks, you know, might find comfort or insight in caregiver groups. Um, I think one of the, the silver linings that I've found in this pandemic is that, you know, we aren't confined to geography. We can access support from miles away, um, including counseling, you know, considering counseling, it, it doesn't have to be forever. It can be just to get you over a particularly heavy period and, and give you a container for some of that heaviness and, and maybe feel a little less isolated in your grief. Yeah, that's wonderful insight. And those websites, again, transitionslifecare.org and what's your grief? Dot com. What's your grief.com? We've been speaking with E. Bello. E is a grief outreach coordinator at Transitions Life Care. E, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jason and Mary. Well, the pr- pleasure's all on this end of the microphone, and we're just about out of time for today. I want to remind you if you want to find more information about Transitions Life Care, head on over to Transitions Life Care. If you want to catch up on past episodes of Aging Matters, head over to WPTF.com. Click on the podcast button, and there you'll find a wonderful picture of Mary and the Aging Matters logo. And there you can view the full archive of shows that we have available for you to listen and download there, WPTF.com. Out of time for today, but we hope you'll join us again next weekend. Thank you so much for listening to Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a wonderful weekend. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.